Uh, well, good morning and welcome again to Jacksonville Presbyterian. As uh, a lot of you already know, we are going through the Gospel of John together as a church. And this morning we are picking up in John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. Uh, so hopefully you have a copy of God's Word in front of you, or maybe you've pulled it up on your phone and you've got the Bible app out. Would love for everybody to have a copy of God's Word out in front of you this morning. And let's dive right in, reading John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. Uh, with that in mind, friends, hear the word of the Lord to us this morning. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we open up your word, uh, Father, we ask that we would see the light of Jesus Christ, uh, that you would call people uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of your beloved son. And Father, as we face uh, what seems like a dark time, would we always know by the power of your Holy Spirit that light comes after darkness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I know for a lot of us, it can feel like a rather dark time right now, wouldn't you say? Uh, I know that may seem a little uh, strange or maybe kind of morose right now, but uh, for many of us, although it's warmer outside and the flowers are out and the birds are chirping, uh, for many of us, it feels almost like there's just a, a cloud hanging over us, right? Uh, it feels like we're actually living in kind of a dark time. As much as we like being outside, we know that there are people that we're not able to go hiking with right now or family members we're not able to see and as a church we're not able to gather and take communion and worship the Lord with our voices together. Uh, so as much as it's beautiful outside physically, um, I know that many of us feel like it's a rather dark time. And uh, what I want to suggest to you, though, this morning and uh, the great hope of the gospel uh, that you and I need to cling to is that in moments of great darkness— the light of God's word always breaks through. Uh, let me say that again, okay? Um, in moments and in times of great darkness, the light of God's unbreakable word always, always, always breaks into our dark world. And so uh, that's my big proposition for you that uh, there is always going to be light after darkness. And uh, I'm not just going to show you that in our passage this morning. What I want you and I to do uh, very briefly, uh, and if you know the Bible, you'll love this. And if you're new to the Bible, I hope you can keep track because this is going to help you get the big picture. 
And that is very simply this, friends. Uh, God's will, his commandment, his desire to bring light always after darkness is a theme. Uh, it is an expression of God's character that he does over and over and over and over again throughout history and throughout Jesus's life and even onto church history and even into your life, even right now this morning. God is constantly bringing light after darkness. So let me give you four quick examples of how the Bible will unpack that theme, and then we'll see how that sheds light onto our passage this morning. So my first example of God bringing light after darkness is very simple. All you have to do is go to the very first page of the Bible. In fact, all you have to do is go to the very first words of the Bible. Uh, Genesis 1 says it this way. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, what? Let there be light. And there was light. Friends, even on the very first page in the very first sentences of God's holy, unbreakable, inerrant word, we see a world of darkness, <laughs> a world without form that was void and darkness was over it. And what does God do with the darkness? He speaks his word. Let there be light. And there was light. Genesis 1. Let me give you another example of light coming after darkness. Uh, you may know that the second book of the Bible, it's a book called Exodus. And in that story, we see God's people, the descendants of Abraham, the nation of Israel. And those people have been in the dark night of slavery for 400 years. Uh, they have had that cloud, that ominous cloud, that morose cloud, that discouraging period of time for 400 years. But after that cloud of darkness, of slavery and enslavement and sin, what happens? God calls his people to himself. He calls his people out of slavery and darkness, and he calls them to his own presence. And he calls them to the promised land. And you know what God does the very first time he ever speaks to the people of Israel? Well, God has communicated to Moses, but in Exodus 20, the people of Israel, God's people get to hear God speak for the first time. And where does he do it? He does it on Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, there were clouds and peals of thunder, and there was a thick darkness. Exodus 20 says there was a thick darkness over the mountain, and the people were standing far off. And what does God do after the darkness of slavery and on their journey, the exodus to the promised land? God speaks his word and we get the 10 commandments. God speaks his unbreakable word. The light of God's word breaks the slavery and the darkness over his people. And it's his word that guides them into the promised land. He could, you could say it this way. He, <laughs> the Lord speaks and the darkness was not overcome. Let me give you a third example of this. Uh, many, many years later, after the people of Israel have come to the promised land, after they have uh, dwelled in the land of Israel, there's a terrible king and he disregards God's word. 
And for 57 years, God's people, the people of Israel, the kings of Israel do not know God's word. And very famously in 2 Kings chapter 22, a young king, a guy named Josiah, you, know, you could call him King Joe, King Josiah decides to count up how much money he has in his treasury. And so he sends his servant to go count the money. But in the story in 2 Kings chapter 22, during this dark period when God's people uh, are doing things like sacrificing their children to idols and worshiping false gods, not obeying the Sabbath, not obeying Passover, in this time of great darkness, this servant comes back to the king and he doesn't tell him how much silver or gold there are. When he comes back, as he says, he says, we found a book and it was the book of the law. And in second Kings, King Josiah rebuilds the city and the nation after 57 years of darkness. And guess what he uses to rebuild the city and the nation? God's unbreakable word. And in second Kings chapter 23, I love this. And notice what Josiah does. In this time of darkness, he gathers all of the people. This is 2 Kings 23, and it says this, Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered together. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing, what? All the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And it was on God's word that Josiah rebuilt the nation. Friends, are you seeing that in times of great darkness, the light that is unbreakable, that shines in the darkness is nothing other than the very word of God. Is it any wonder then why uh, the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah 9 says these words as he looks forward to the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah says in Isaiah 9, these words, the people who walked in darkness have seen what? <laughs> a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us, a child is born and to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. You see, for Isaiah, he lived in a dark time. The nation of Israel had been exiled by the Assyrians. The people of Judah were remaining. And what Isaiah is saying is that after this dark time period, the light of the Messiah is going to come. And we're going to call him mighty God. You could say it this way, for Isaiah, Isaiah's entire hope, as he watched his country literally disintegrate before him, his hope was that after darkness, the light of the Messiah would come and of his reign, there would be no end. So friends, I'm, I hope you're starting to see that throughout history, really uh, throughout his story, right? Uh, that in times of great darkness, uh, the only hope for God's people, uh, the only ultimate hope for Christ followers is that the light of God's word would shine brighter and brighter until it's like the noonday sun. 
And so friends, uh, I know as you and I are sort of encountering a dark time uh, for ourselves, uh, friends, I want to ask, what is your hope right now? Uh, what are you placing your trust in? What, you know, when all this is over, what is it that you're hoping is going to happen? Uh, well, friends, what I want to suggest to you is that if you are a follower of Christ, if the Holy Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, now dwells in you, you know to your core that in his story, that light always, always, always comes after darkness. And you know who the light is. And you know that the true light, which gives light to everyone, has come into the world. And as John will tell us in John chapter 1, the darkness hasn't overcome Jesus at all. Uh, so, you know, how would then God's word, this unbreakable word, how is it going to shine in the darkness that you and I are facing right now? Um, how is God's word going to break through right now? Uh, well, I want to give you just two simple ways uh, that I hope you see from John chapter 12 as to how the light of Jesus Christ, the Messiah that Isaiah was looking forward to, uh, the one uh, through whom all creation was being uh, created for and for whom. And I hope you see that in John chapter 12, uh, John is going to tell us something very simply, which is God's word breaks through our dark world when we see that Jesus reveals uniquely and totally and only who the true God is. If you want to know the true God, the only God, you have to see Jesus. So let's look at John chapter 12, and let me show you how Jesus is teaching that. Uh, you know, in John chapter 12, Jesus is really summarizing all of, uh, you know, basically John 2 through 12. Uh, this is the last public ministry of Jesus. In John 13, we're already on the night that he's betrayed. So really, this is a summary of everything you and I have been going through for the last several months. So hopefully for many of you, this sounds familiar. But what Jesus says in John 44 right there is he cries out. <laughs> this is Jesus' main sermon. This is what he proclaims loudly. Jesus cried out and said what? Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And what Jesus is saying right there is he's using the, the classic uh, rabbinical, the classic uh, Jewish way of overstating his case. Uh, Jesus is saying, look, if you believe in me, you don't believe in me just because I'm a good moral teacher. Um, I'm not just a good uh, life advice coach. If you listen to me, and you know my voice, you'll know that I have been sent from the only true God. That's exactly where he goes next. Now look at verse 45. Whoever sees me, that is, whoever believes in Jesus as the Messiah, as the only unique son of God, whoever sees me, verse 45, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. You see, what Jesus is saying is if you and I want to know God, if you want to know who he is, you've got to see him in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Um, he's not the God of all the nations. Uh, he is not the God of um, every country or every religion. The only true God can only actually be seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, 
Uh, that is what he's proclaiming. He says, if you want to see God, if you want to be uh, reconciled to the God of the universe, you can only do it if you see me. This is what Jesus goes on in just a couple chapters in John 14. And this is what he teaches in John 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, so if you want to see the light breaking into the darkness of this world, uh, friends, you've got to start seeing what the light is. Um, it's not the light of human rationality or human reason. Uh, the light of this world is the only true God. Yahweh, <laughs> the God of Israel, loved this broken, sinful world so much that he sent his son into it. And even though he came to his own, and even though his own rejected him, he didn't stop rejecting them. He pursued them over and over again and called them into his kingdom of light. And in friends, friend, that's what Jesus is still doing, even right now, maybe even for you. The God who made your toes and made your eyelashes, who made your heartbeat, and knows how many times your heart is going to beat, loves you and is calling you and commanding you to be reconciled to him. Jesus, even now, is crying out to you to believe in him. And I know for a lot of us that really, that rubs our, our modern sensibilities in a, in a way we don't really like, right? Uh, we want sort of all paths to lead to God. We want all religions to be true, all world philosophies, you know, to be basically equal. But friends, what I want to suggest to you is that if you do not accept specifically what Jesus is saying, if you don't really listen to Jesus, if Jesus says, I'm the only way to God, and you say, boo, you know, I don't really like that. Uh, friends, uh, what the Bible is going to say you're doing is the Bible is actually going to say that when, if you and I do that, if we reject Jesus, if we reject God for who he is, the Bible says that that's actually committing adultery on God. We're actually being unfaithful to him. Uh, we're not loving him. We're actually deeply rejecting him. Uh, think about it this way. If I were to use um, a human analogy, uh, you know, God will say it, it, is a, it is a one and one relationship. It is you and it is the Lord God Almighty. Um, you don't entertain any other gods. Well, in a human analogy, imagine um, a man who says he loves his wife and his wife is a beautiful brunette. Uh, so men, if your wife is a brunette right now, kiss her. And if she's not, kiss her anyway. <laughs> But imagine a man who says he loves his, you know, brunette wife so much. But then you find out that actually the man dates multiple women who are all brunettes. And when he gets caught, he says, well, I still love this wife. I just happen to love all of the other dozen wives around me and all of these other brunettes that I'm dating. Well, what self-respecting wife would accept that kind of love? If anything, a self-respecting woman would say, you don't actually love me. You just like brunettes of which one, I'm just one of many. And no matter how much the man would protest, the wife would know the truth that he's committed adultery. So if the Lord God says he's the only one for you and he's the only true God and you are to love him with all of your heart, soul, 
mind, and strength. And that even though we can't love him, he still loves us and gave his son to die for us and has given us all things. If we were to say, well, I will kind of love you, but really I'm going to love all of these other options and religions and worldviews more. What self-respecting holy God would accept that as real love? If a human wouldn't, why would the holy creator accept that? You see, friends, this is what it means uh, to experience um, the challenge and the beauty of the gospel. Uh, There's only one God, but this one God loves you and me so much, even though you and I are wretched sinners, that he still dies for us. And what he calls us to do is to love him with a pure heart and to have uh, no other loves but him. You see, this is what Jesus's challenge to us is. If you want to know God, there's only one way and Jesus is the way. And if you believe in Jesus, you know the true God. See, this is the light that's breaking into the world. And if, you, and if that's challenging for you or if you don't want to accept that, uh, friends, could I suggest something to you? Um, your desire to reject the light, uh, could it be that you actually are still loving the dark? And could it be that coming into the light, seeing Jesus for who he claims to be, uh, is just scary? But friends, what if you have been called for all of eternity to go from the domain of darkness into the light and the love of God, the father who loves you more than you will ever understand. And friends, what if you see God's love in the person and work of Jesus? Friends, this is part of the way that God's light is breaking forth even today in our world. I don't have any doubt right now that there are people coming to faith in Jesus Christ all over our country and all over our world. Uh, Friends, uh, don't waste this time. Decide today whether or not you're going to be of the people who remain in the darkness or the people who enter the light. Now, friends, that's the first way that God's word breaks through the darkness, we see the light of this world, Jesus for who he claims to be. And the second way, just very simply, that God's word breaks through our darkness is we simply, we keep his word. (laughs) That's exactly where Jesus goes next, right? Look at what he says in verse 47. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I don't judge him for I did not come into the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words as a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. You see what Jesus is saying, he's putting things in the negative. Let me put them into the positive for you. What Jesus says is he says, if you hear my words and you keep them, you will not be judged. You will not be condemned. But if you reject me and you don't keep my words, then you and your decision are going to be what you have on judgment day. I mean, let me phrase it this way. You know, if you, if you wanted to ask yourself, well, what is it that God wants me to do? Many people would say, well, you know, God basically wants me to be a really good moral person and do good in this world. Uh, but ironically, the strange thing, of course, is that what we find is none of us are as good as we want to be. <laughs> and then even when we do good things, uh, a lot of times, if you really scratch beneath the surface, a lot of our good actions 
aren't really coming from a pure heart. They're actually coming from a heart that wants to show other people that we're good people. Uh, if, you're, if you've come to Christ, what you and I will uh, sense intuitively is a lot of our good, righteous actions are actually really just sources of pride. And so for many of us, uh, we struggle with this idea that really what God wants us to do is not just become good moral people. What it means to keep his word is actually to believe in Jesus and walk in step with his spirit. You know, think about it this way. Um, you know, there, this whole thing about believing the gospel, what does it mean to do God's will? Um, it was hard for people to understand. And so in John chapter six, some people come up to Jesus and they say, just tell us what to do. <laughs> what are we supposed to do if we want to do the works that God has required of us? And you know what Jesus says in John chapter six? He says these words. He said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. You see, friends, what it means for the light to break into the darkness of this world is simply for you and I to believe in Jesus as Lord. And the amazing thing is that if we believe in Jesus, we see him for who he is, you and I do become more moral and just and righteous but not out of a sense of superiority, not out of a sense that makes us look down on the people on the other side of the political spectrum or the people who aren't on our level. Uh, we follow righteousness and justice because we know that Christ died for us. And so we become righteous in a way that actually continues to humble us. We find that the way up is actually the way down. And so doing the work of God primarily means believing in Jesus. And when we believe in Jesus, our lifestyles absolutely forever change. But our lifestyles don't change just because we're trying to get out of hell or worried about judgment. They change because grace has embedded itself in our hearts. Of course, Jesus goes on and he says, now, of course, there are going to be some people who don't accept this message, who don't accept the gospel, right? That's his point in verse 46. He says, uh, in 47, he says, if anybody hears this, but they don't keep it, they're going to have to stand on their own decision on the last day. And uh, friends, <laughs> I know this may seem kind of strange on a message on hope, but um, friends, this is the gospel message. Uh, this is what the apostles taught, and this is what Jesus said. I mean, even Paul in Acts 17 says it this way. He says, the times of ignorance God has overlooked, but know that God commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. By a man he has appointed, and of this he has given us assurance by raising him from the dead. You see, friends, um, I think if you're honest with yourself, um, if you've hung around this long in this message, uh, I'm, I'm willing to bet that uh, you're similar to me. And it's almost like uh, you and I have like a little, um, you know, jury in our heart. We have a jury in our heart that um, judges for ourselves what we've done that's good and the things that we have done bad. And everybody's got things that we know that we did that were wrong and that we're ashamed of. And we also know that if God is holy and just, he's going to say that we should not be in his presence on the last day. 
Um, anyone here think they're righteous enough to stand before a holy God on the last day? <laughs> I know I can't. But friends, the hope of the gospel, what Jesus has come to do, is he has come to take the punishment. Um, the gavel of justice doesn't fall on you and me, it falls on him. And this has been the Father's will since creation. Even in darkness, light can come. What does Jesus say in John 12? He says, this is the commandment of my father, which is eternal life. <laughs> Friends, um, even in the darkness of our sin and the darkness of our wretched life before Christ, light can come. Light can come for anybody and everybody. You see, because on the darkest day of Jesus's life, when he was betrayed by his friends, when he was marched to Gethsemane, on that dark day when the sun was not allowed to shine, and Christ died for our sins, what he was doing is he went to the heart of the darkness itself so that we never would have to fear the darkness again. And after the darkness of Good Friday, the light of Resurrection Sunday came and Jesus came back from the dead fully alive, proving to you and me that he can wipe away all our sins and he really does have the keys to eternal life itself. You see, friends, even in Jesus's life, we see that after darkness, light always, always, always comes. So friends, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you're still in the darkness, um, do you hear Jesus crying out to you, believe in me and you know that I will reveal to you God, the father himself. Uh, if you already believe in Jesus, do you hear him saying, keep in step with my spirit? Uh, friends, if you're in a dark time right now, bring some things to light, walk in step with his spirit. Uh, friends, do you see that this is the story that God has been telling since literally the dawn of creation? And that even though you and I are in a dark season, what's going to come? Light. You know, 500 years ago, uh, there was a great moment in church history. Um, it was a lot like what happened in 2 Kings. And 500 years ago, God's church... Uh, rediscovered and was reformed and it was restored when God's word broke through the darkness. You see at the reformation in 1517, God's people, we had uh, lost God's word. We weren't walking in step with the truth of his word. Uh, God's people weren't able to come together and take communion. Uh, God's word was not being preached. God's people didn't even have God's word in their own language. If you think I'm hard to follow, imagine if I were speaking another language. But 500 years ago, after centuries of darkness, God's unbreakable, inerrant word broke through and lives were changed and people were restored and God called many people out of darkness into a new relationship with him. And what's really beautiful about the Reformation 
is that during that time, the reformers came up with a motto and you'll never guess what it was. Uh, John Calvin had it printed on the coins in Geneva. Their motto for the Reformation was after darkness, light. Friends, do you see that this is all part of his story? Uh, that you do not need to fear the darkness, that the light of Jesus Christ has not been overcome by it. But even today, God is bringing his light to bear on this world. Uh, friends, that's an invitation to experience light after darkness. Let's pray. Father, we ask uh, that for each one of us that we would take one step further into the light, uh, Lord, that we would uh, not be found liars, uh, Lord, that we would confess our sins, walk in the truth and the confession of the light of your word. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see it? May we not be blinded by it, but would we see Jesus? In his name we pray, amen.